Welcome to Say That, podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. I'm so excited. It's going to be a great show. Maybe he's excited because also joining us is the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed no, Moore. No, 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 I'm not excited about that. Well, he's joining us anyway. I'm excited about the emergency. We'll get there. Uh, joining us, I already introduced him, Jed Brewer. Sure, good to be here. Joining us all the way from Mercury Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. For a second there, I thought that Glenn's zeal was going to completely put away Jed's actual intro. Yeah. Okay, stop talking about everything else I declared emergency! (laughs) Okay. This, ladies and gentlemen, is the the best emergency in the history of Say That Podcast. We've had some good ones. This... I know everyone listening to the sound of my voice <laughs> will agree with me on this. This is going to be the best. Wow. Big build up. Brace yourself. Not if you're driving. People of the internet. Should we be sitting down for this? Definitely. If you're sitting, stand. If you're standing, sit. Just switch. That's, <laughs> that's the main thing. That's right. Matt King is no longer single. What? What? Matthew True. King is no longer single. Whoa. How are you feeling about this, Glenn? <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> I am so excited, and I wow. had to hold that inside of myself for too long. For one whole recording last and week. And now it's out. It is. Right on. Matthew King. Do you King, feel better? It, uh, but I, uh, man, it's. I felt like I just took a 12-hour nap right there. <laughs> Matthew King Matthew King is dating. Whoa. Accurate. Um, uh, would you like to tell the people about this young lady? I can, I can, you know, you I can describe her. Okay. All right. I, yeah, let me do all the talking. Now, here's what I'm saying. Uh, here, here, here's what I'm saying. This is the most amazing young lady ever of all time. Right on. We all know her well. We all love her. Her name is Jenna. Wow. Really? Are you Jenna? kidding me? I am not kidding you. <laughs> yes, exactly right. Lee Brains is finding out this information on air. Mind uh, blown. Hold on. Matt and I have been friends for how many years? That's right. Uh, I'm some, learning this some 18 as, the, years. as the listeners of Say That are learning. Well, they're going to learn it later because of the whole time travel thing. Sure. But I'm learning it technically at the exact, well, if you know. Relativity and all travel. that, but That's I'm right. confused. I'm uh, I'm confused. Yes. I'm upset. I, yes. I'm happy. We, I feel everything. Exactly. What we're it's, learning is that I am so committed to this show that I was willing to be rude to one of my best friends of some two <laughs> decades. That's right. In order to make for good on-air content. That's, That's right. He could have told you before bit. we rolled. Also, that's how male friendships work. That's right. Yeah. This is what I'm saying. We're all dealing with a lot of emotions right now. Sure. So okay. I, weirdly, me least of all. Right. That's crazy. <laughs> I've is, got plenty. This is barely about you. Now, pay attention. <laughs> Miss, Miss Jenna is amazing. Yes. Right. Uh, she uh, works with us at the bridge. Mm-hmm. She's one of our bridge volunteers. She also, uh, not only does she help us there, but she works with the ladies. We have a ladies' ministry uh, that we, where we go to uh, uh, residential programs, residential drug rehab programs. This is extremely challenging work. Uh, my I wife, mean this in a kind way. 
Yeah. Them ladies are scary. They are they are tough. They are scary. It, you have to you have to be seriously courageous to deal yeah. with those ladies. If you preach a sermon point that the guys we work with, the big criminal gangers don't like, they'll just kind of cross arms and be silent. You preach a sermon point these ladies don't like that Ooh. they might find is a bit ineloquently worded, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. They're gonna let you know. That's it's right. true. Yeah. There's a story of a couple few years ago, Glenn tells of a visiting pastor or, or taking uh, guys and some ladies to an inner city church. And the pastor was talking about doing things that may not meet up to your moral code. Mm. A fine thing. And the phrase he used for that was to prostitute oneself. Right. Which is a technically correct application of that word. Yeah. Sure. But not great. And it was not the gang members. It was not <laughs> the big scary dudes. It was the three ladies who found this pastor in the parking lot. Yes. And mm. told him, don't do that anymore. And wow. I, th- I think the fact that they were uh, extending an actual blade what sharpens his, the senses towards his jugular probably. You if know, you don't uh, shape up, it'll sharpen something else. Yeah, that's right. So <laughs> meanwhile, uh, so she, so my my wife and Jed's wife and uh, Miss Tasha, uh, uh, who's uh, Pete's wife. They do that work, and it is they're doing an amazing job with that. We have a, a lot of new ladies that come to the bridge based on that work that are fantastic and really sharp. And uh, really, Jenna's been helping us with our work at Grace House. It's very kind of cutting edge, at least for us, in terms of doing uh, new stuff there that we haven't done before, more direct ministry-type stuff in a sort of a small group-type environment. And uh, she's amazing. She is also— I agree. Yes. Uh, well, that's important. Yep. Uh, she On is, the record, uh, I agree. That's correct. He's, <laughs> it's noted for the record. Um, uh, she is also a podcast super fan. Correct. Yes, definitely. Yeah. In fact, she was one of our extremely adorable original stalkers. That is true. <laughs> this is true. So... If you're thinking of someone oh, that no, you want to, nope. no, <laughs> are you suggesting that stalking no, works? It's no, we are not. <laughs> lead to a Christian nope. relation. Well, nope. anyway, <laughs> we are not. We, we shan't be making any pro-stalking statements <laughs> okay. of any kind. I'm just excited. I, I can't concentrate. Be excited about non-stalking things. Okay, sure. Uh, you know, sometimes you go down the wrong alley. Here's all I'm saying: is you know, it let let's let's take a few seconds here. Sure. I, I know Lee has a lot of thoughts, but let's take a few seconds here to talk about now that it's over, mm, right? Sure. Matt's bachelorhood. Mm. Wow. I mean this thing was something. A, a bachelorhood retrospective? Yes, yes. Okay. This was this was a bachelorhood that was almost hostile. Yeah. In its doggedness. It, it was yeah. a Ripken like streak. There's no doubt about that. I mean it was like in your face. Face, I am man, I, man, yeah. and it's like you know, but it you know it just it kept going. Well, sure. Do we need to have a moment of silence for uh, the Edith Love Rumple? You yeah. know, I was thinking about Edith recently and how you know how hard this news would be. For it's going to be tough. Well, because every year uh, on our Daddy's Award Show, yep, uh, Matt has won the Edith Love Rumpel Memorial Award for most offensive singleness. <laughs> yes, that's right. For the There's year. not a lot of time for an acceptance speech because it takes that long to say the award name. That's right. Yeah, right. And now it's now all that's over. Yeah. I mean it's, you know, 
it was it, it, his his singleness was like a stallion. Sure. And that stallion had to run free. Sure. sure. Yeah, have you ever seen the 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 video of of when Secretariat wins the Triple Crown? Yeah. And uh and there's a moment where Secretariat's kind of pulling away from all the other horses and the announcer right. in that amazing tone of voice says, "He's moving like a tremendous machine." That's right. That's right. Yep. And, That's and Matt in his singleness was really he was really going after it with that yeah. tremendous machine type of of uh, of passion. Yeah. Well, and the, let's also because there's a lot of ladies that are mourning, right? Sure. Now. Well, that's very fair. Yeah, that's I mean, true. but equally know. as many who are celebrating, so it all evens out. <laughs> think, think about, think about the ladies out there that you know they thought maybe one of these days. You know what I mean? Sure, absolutely, it could happen. This so, is the moment in the podcast. You remember there in the old setup, Jed had a keyboard at his disposal, and every now yeah, and then he yeah, would just start yeah. playing some mournful chords and he would start yeah. a, just like an impromptu song this is the moment yeah. for that we need that so i'm bad. sure the audience back. misses that bit as the person who has to cut the audio i don't <laughs> yeah yeah but but this a far off keyboard plays chords kind of yeah but uh the uh we were all extremely 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 happy uh, with this news we we are a huge jenna what, was your happiness pure of heart no no, it was uh, it was craven, and it was it was uh, callow, and it was it was wicked. Mm. It was a wicked joy. Yeah, fair but enough. Uh, but now that we've all uh, uh, said our our thoughts, I'd like to hear from the man himself, right? And if you could, uh, we've got maybe uh, uh, two or three more minutes on the emergency segment. So if you could sum up all that this relationship means to you in that period of time. That would be great. It's good. <laughs> That's it's very good. Okay. <laughs> Quite happy. Happy for all the warm wishes of the people. And I will share this moment because you wonder this has not been going this is, you know, fairly new relationship. Yeah. You wonder, is this gonna change the show I like? Right. Sure. This is gonna change one fourth of the show is going through a large life change. Right. I should point out, even though Glenn keeps using terms like singleness and bachelorhood, no one's married, no right. one's engaged, so let's be clear about that. Right, that's right. Um Glenn pretty much sees this as a as a status change in his own mind. That's right. Because Glenn doesn't really care about the facts of the outside world. He that's declares correct. when things like that happen. Yes. Yeah. That's where declaring emergency came from. That bordered over from real life. That's right. <laughs> and you say, Well, and the truth is yes. Because, as and this has been Glenn's favorite part of this whole thing so far, mm. there was a, a about a week ago, I was uh, dropping uh, her off at uh, the train station here as I was headed to meet these fine folks here at our bridge staff meeting. Mm. And it was a cold, icy, snowy day in Chicago. Yeah. yeah. So we had we'd gotten in my car, and uh, I had done what I think I thought was an adequate job of scraping the ice off the back window because, you know, you drive forward. I don't know if you guys know. And, and for a bachelor, it was a fine job. Yeah, it was, it was fine. I opened the door to where she's already seated inside and am informed in a kind, lovely, gracious, sonorous tone, mm. but firm. Right. And I quote, you need to do that better. Right. Wow. Yeah. And audience, here's what I have to tell you. You've heard Glenn, Jed, and Lee... Right. Talk about um, the the relationship they have with the Lord, where he has put this wonderful woman of God in their life, 
And if you embrace that and listen to the wisdom and the teamwork, that makes things better. Yeah. And if you don't, you reap a divine punishment. That's right. So <laughs> if you don't do what she says, God hears that and makes the thing happen she said might happen. To this point. <laughs> I'm in my 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 single guy brain kicks back in. Right. And I'm about to start saying, no, it's fine. It's, it's fine. You only need enough I'll go on to see headlights, because what you need. But I, I think better of that. Right. And I think about how much I want this to work, how much yeah. I want this fine woman to be happy. That's right. And I say, you're right. And I go scrape with the scrape and the scrape and it's 15 degrees outside. And I kind of think it's scraped already, but we do that. Drop off the train. I'm, I'm turning back around to come to staff meeting. And, uh, I look in my rear view and notice the car. I definitely would have hit if there was still (laughs) plenty of ice on my back window. That's it. And, uh, that's, uh, so that's where we're at now. Yeah. That's it's it. it that, Forced improvement. This is what it's all about. People. Finally, someone to whip this man into shape. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, and th- this is also true. Uh, he told us about this and, and we were of course rejoicing yes. that, and, that he's being whipped into shape. And then afterwards we left to go out to eat because we go out to eat after we record the show, mm-hmm. and I got the opportunity to point out to Matt that it had snowed while we were recording, and that the back window had once again. Yeah. So do you need to go ahead and and then so I which I said that in a really really you know rude way, yeah. and then he did it, and I really enjoyed that, and then we went out to eat, and we came out, and it had been snowing while we were eating, so I got another chance. Yep. To pile on again, mm. <laughs> so I'm just enjoying the whole thing. Yeah, the only the only person who's having almost as good a time with this as me is Glenn. That's right. Oh, I'm thrilled. I I walk around all day with a smile on my face. So, yeah. <laughs> except for that 30 seconds when we had a a women's small group host team at the bridge that was leaving, and yes. Glenn during the time when he would be informing them that one of his staff members is, and I quote. Safe, single, and ready to mingle. Yeah. He stopped himself, looked at me, held his hands up as if he were trying to unscrew uh, some kind of machine and said, I don't know what to do now. That's right. Yeah. I just, I was just lost in that moment. But uh, I will, I will, I will soldier on bravely and find someone else to harass endlessly. (laughs) But for now, I declare emergency off relationship on wow Indeed. there you go if you have a single male friend that you would like to subject to <laughs> yeah some six to seven years of targeted harassment <laughs> yeah. email us yeah right in say that podcast at gmail.com hey we make love happen on this show <laughs> that is not good phrasing of that sentence we get people together that's better phrasing worse tone of voice so that yeah. one felt like a push after he was almost dark. in uh, Dr. Love at that point. Yeah, we yeah. almost got there. Now, for those of you who have been longtime subscribers to our Bridgebox service, you may know that this is the, what we just talked about in that emergency, is the culmination of one of our longest-running Bridgebox bits. Because many years ago, oh, that's right. we filmed a video with Glenn holding up an iPad with my picture on it oh, and yeah. doing a very ASPCA, won't someone help? Yeah. Cutting to black and white footage <laughs> of me just pouring a bag of chips onto myself. Yeah. And narrated by... Yeah, we had to dig that up. Yeah. We'll dig that up yeah. and put, put the link out. But uh, the real 
OG Bridgebox people understand. And yeah. that's the kind of stuff you're part of when you sign up yeah. at missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. Not only do you get uh, Bible study sermons, music, and whatnot to help your, your own walk. You support the ministry we do up here in Chicago. You support Lee does down there with the youth and the folks in Tennessee. Occasionally, yeah. you'll get a prophetic video that will come to term some years later. And isn't that worth $8 a month in and of itself? All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. If you hang on this all the way to the end, I'll get some ways to get in touch with this, or you can scroll down into the episode description below. This, speaking of Bridgebox, this is our March 2019 Bridgebox topic. We're talking about overcoming, and this is, uh, so we record the sermons for Bridgebox at the bridge, obviously, and uh, we we often turn that into a little more of a question so that the other pastors who are speaking that night can speak to it, make it take the form of bridge question. So this is uh, how we worded that. And we'll give you a little preview of kind of what we're talking about in bridge box this upcoming month. Question says, people say I should be an overcomer and that I shouldn't stay down when I mess up or give up when things get hard. And that sounds good, but how do I do that? And where do I start? And Jed, where do we kick off? Well, it's a fine question. So I think, when we think about being an overcomer, we kind of need to differentiate a little bit between the emotional reality that I think we want for ourselves and the practical reality of how we pull that off. So the emotional reality that I think we want for ourselves is to, to really get ourselves amped up and, and excited and, and, you know, really stoked, and then we will overcome our problems. And there's nothing wrong with that emotional state, but it doesn't really, really have anything to do with actually overcoming problems or actually overcoming obstacles, because that is far more of a, a practical and oftentimes kind of boring thing. So let's, let's get into how we actually overcome problems. The first thing is that any big obstacle in our lives, any big problem can't be overcome all at once. Mm-hmm. There, there is no such thing as that. Yeah. Any big problem, any big uh, issue that we're facing has to be dealt with one small component at a time. Um, we were at the jailhouse looking at this exact same talk, uh, topic a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about the old adage that the way you eat an elephant is one bite at a time. And that's how you solve big problems, is one piece at a time. But um, if you're thinking ahead, you might be asking, which piece do I start with? And how do I know which piece do I do after that? And that's a keen question. So part of what we need here to be overcomers is we need wisdom. We need good strategy. and Strategy and wisdom, fortunately, are things that we don't need to generate within ourselves, and it would actually be a bad idea to try. So if we really want to be an overcomer, one of the things we need to embrace is that this is almost certainly going to be a team project and a team effort. We may be the primary person that's executing things, but it's going to be a team effort to make it happen. One of the things that the team should be supplying is wisdom and strategy of how we're going to do this, in what order we're going to do this, which piece of the elephant are we dealing with next? Because if we do things out of order, it's not necessarily that we fail, but we can make things a lot harder than we need them to be. And I think that's the next thing really about being an overcomer is people that are good at overcoming obstacles are trying to do it in an easy way. That's another thing that we have a weird Mm. cultural hangup about is I I'll know I'm hardcore when I just, I don't care how hard it is. I just, I grip my teeth and I do it. It's actually (laughs) a bad idea. The people that that I know and that all of us know that are good at overcoming obstacles are looking for the reliable, effective, relatively easy way to do this thing. That way I can do this one and the next one and the one that comes after it. So that's a result of wisdom. 
But once we've got that wisdom and that strategy and a sense of how to approach this thing in an effective way, but an easy way, well, that next piece is some combination of strength and courage. Um, At least in my experience, almost every step that you take when you're trying to overcome an obstacle or overcome a problem is a little bit scary. Uh, And if it wasn't scary, you probably would have done it already. So it kind of makes sense that it's, that it's scary. Um, it, this is something that's talked about a lot, but it's, it's worth reminding ourselves that courage isn't the absence of fear. Um, courage is not about pretending something isn't scary to you. Courage is about receiving strength from the Lord to move forward, even though it is scary. That's, that's what courage is. And again, that's something God supplies, both that strength and that courage. That's not something that we're meant to just grit our teeth and, you know, clench our abs and just try really hard. (laughs) It's something we receive from God. And then we walk forward, um, relying on his strength and his courage to get us through. Here's the really, really good news is if you put all those things together, embracing things as a series of small steps assembling a team uh, to advise you, getting that wisdom, getting that strategy, getting strength and courage from the Lord, taking the next step. What you begin to discover is that that's actually a skill you can get better at. So this is really good news because it means the worst you'll ever be at overcoming obstacles is how you are today. And if you'll apply yourself, you'll be so much better for obstacle number two than you were for obstacle number one. And obstacle number three will be even better than you were for obstacle number two. You, you get better at this stuff. You get smarter at this stuff. And it, it scares you a bit less and it overwhelms you a bit less. And in a weird way, you think, well, maybe that would tempt me to not be you know, as dependent on the Lord. In my experience, it's the opposite. The, the more that you can relax with it, the easier it is to rely. The more Amen. you can relax with it, the easier it is to get wisdom and get strategy and admit that you need strength and to get that strength from the Lord. So it's all good news. If we can embrace, you know, some um, maybe counterintuitive details from the way we'd instinctively like to approach big obstacles and approach them in, in this more ordered way, not only can we deal with the one in front of us, but we've got good skills and good development going for obstacles that come after that. I think it's a really fantastic place to start. And Glenn, I'd love to get you to pick us up there because Jed's talking a lot about um, kind of attitude might be a word of that. And I, we might say the way we frame how we look at something. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the uh, misconceptions people have is Jed's pointing about, you know, gritting your teeth and flexing your abs and overcoming is that what I want, if I'm going to overcome stuff is I need less failure. Right. But I think there may not be a more or less, but how we look at failure might be a good place to start. Right. Definitely. Uh Failure is it, uh, avoidance of failure will end up uh, being an avoidance of success mm. in the long run. Yeah. It, it won't, you, you know, you won't. If you say, "Okay, I'm afraid of failing. I don't want to fail. I, you know, I I can't tolerate the idea of failing in this area." So I want to do the opposite of whatever that is. I just want to keep failure from happening. You'll you'll keep success from happening as well. That that's just the way that that works out. Uh, but if you go the other route and say, "Let me embrace failure because it's I'm learning something by that. I'm growing by that. It stinks. I mean, failure is not fun. You'd be a weirdo if you liked failing. But uh, to recognize that that is uh, helping you in some sort of way that. Uh, it's, it's, if you, if you don't know what to try and you try something, you fail, that's, you're one step closer because you, you've eliminated one possibility. Uh, we can learn a lot from failure. We really can. You have to, you have to be willing to look at it. So again, if you're trying to avoid it, 
uh, you won't learn from it when it happens. But man, uh, I've learned a lot from the massive amount of failure that's been in my life. So uh, uh, I, I would encourage you to uh, dismiss that fear of failure altogether. And all of a sudden, this looks better and easier and mm -hmm. you can be more patient and less stressed about it. Um, also, I think it's important if you want to be an overcomer to, to understand the difference between a world of thinkers and doers. These are two very different types of people. There's lots of thinkers in the world, bless them, and they're sitting and they're thinking for the rest of us. I mean, <laughs> while we're doing, they're out there thinking about it. They're actually not out there. They're just in somewhere. But they're thinking really hard thoughts. Give you an example of what I'm talking about. I got a buddy of mine. Uh, I've known him for a few years, uh, a good guy for sure, uh, wrote himself a book on uh, church planting and doing it in a missional way. Works for his seminary, and he, uh, that's the book that he put together. Now, you say what, to yourself— Was it one of those seminaries that plants churches? Uh, no. Interesting. And he has never planted a church. Oh. And he's never been a missionary. So it was like an academic kind of the history and the sociology of wouldn't be like a how-to guide. She it, hasn't done no, it. No, it, it it couldn't be a how-to guide. It's sort of like let's say for example, I wanted to write a book about brain surgery. Well, I don't know anything about it, but if I just shared my thoughts on what it might be sure. and what it should involve, like probably wash your hands first. Yeah, that would be a good that's tip. Good. That's got to be. Well, you, you know, you've like trimmed chicken before you put it on the grill. It's the same thing. You right. Yeah. Cut off the part you don't want. That's right. So exactly right. Well, here's the thing. I'm not trying to condemn that. I, it sounds like I am. I'm not. What I'm saying is, if you want to do brain surgery, don't read the book that I'm going to write about my thoughts of what it might be. You want to talk to an actual brain surgeon and ha take a class and do a thing. Um. But the, the reason why I'm playing that out with you is the church is, bless, bless our little hearts, the church is chock full of thinkers. Hmm. Doers, you got to look hard to find. Right. Uh, thinkers, no one, no one ever, no one tapped this guy on the shoulder. And again, this is a good dude. He's not a bad person. Nobody tapped him on the shoulder and said, you know, you don't know anything about this. So you shouldn't <laughs> write the book. No one said that. <laughs> so. Think about the culture of uh, that he right. is in. That that the actually knowing how to do things has nothing to do with a book on how to do something. That's you know that that's pretty monumental. So we have to understand that's the environment you and I are stewing in all the time. That uh, if I can't overcome this, and I call this guy up, I say, "Well, I read your book, and you know I'm stuck on you know this problem. He can't get you out of it because he doesn't know." Um, find somebody who's a doer uh, and, and and get them part of that team uh, thing that Jed was talking about. Final thought, uh, that's going to get you out of a who's to say mentality. I hear oh. a lot of that in the church. You know, who's to say what's the best thing? And I don't know. And, well, you know, it's everyone has an opinion and we all have thoughts, man. And let's talk about it for eight hours. And let's have a meeting and a conference. And maybe draft this a person statement. who's never done it, doesn't know anything about it, will come up with the magic idea. That's the best one. <laughs> That's right. That's there's a lot of that out there. A who's to say mentality is the opposite of the mentality you need to have. You need to have a made up mind mentality. Yeah. I am going to do this thing. God's, you know, spelled out to me. This is what He wants me to do for right now. 
my mind is made up. Uh, 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 Paul's, Paul used a phrase pretty frequently. Uh, we translate it into English, uh, I, I am convinced. Mm. He says, you know, he says, you know, uh, um, in, in Romans 8.37, I'm going to see how fast I can pull it up on my phone. I wrote it down and uh, I want to quote this because I, it really nails down exactly what we're talking about here. We're seeing if uh, I can be faster than Matt. Vamp, vamp. <laughs> I wish Jed still had that piano. Yeah. So um, <laughs> this is, uh, I'm, I'm at Romans 8. I'm going to start with verse 37. Now, this is exactly what you're talking about. In all these things, we are more than conquerors or we're more than overcomers. And that's what we're talking about here. Through him who loved us, so that's through him, through God, not through our willpower, as Jeb was saying. And he says, I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says, I am convinced. Mm. Not anything, any of these things, material, uh, physical, spiritual, Nothing can separate us from the love of God. This is a man who's got a made-up mind on this subject, and he's fully convinced. That's how you get to that overcoming that he's talking about. I think that's absolutely right. And Lee, both these guys have uh, given us a lot of good stuff, and they've mentioned the idea of well, there's some stuff we need to do in and of ourselves to be an overcomer, but right. a lot of this does come down to the way we think about some things, some attitudes we have about some things, and that's also going to be easier or harder based on what's around us. Yeah. So how do we start uh, kind of setting ourselves an environment where we can start doing this? I think that's a great question. And one of the problems that I think a lot of us have in trying to understand this is that we have been fed so many lies our entire lives about what it takes to to be a person who overcomes. And one of the problems is like every movie that we've ever seen, every every you know book we've ever read or biography or whatever – those things all have this narrative of this guy was amazing and he did a thing and he changed the world. Uh-huh. All Why don't himself. you try being amazing? Right, yeah. exactly. All by himself, out of nowhere, <laughs> he, you know, he just was able to to beat all the odds and he has by himself done this thing. Now, we've all been fed this narrative the entire time that we've been alive in every movie that we've ever seen. And the truth is that nobody really does anything by themselves. Everybody has is surrounded by people, people that, that fed into them, people that encouraged them, people that enabled them, people that taught them, all these kinds of things. Jed has already mentioned the idea of the importance of having a team. And, and I love the way that he came, the note that he came in on because he was saying that you need a team to develop strategy. And that is so true. I mean, from the from the biopics that we watch, you would think that uh, the, the people that are amazing, they just come up with all the ideas themselves. Then they come up with all these strategies on how to achieve these ideas by themselves. They come up with all of the amazing uh, willpower for for achieving the strategies to achieve the ideas by themselves, and then they take over the world. That's the way that all works. But Jed's exactly right. We got to have these people. We got to bring these people together. And so we have this team. What I would say to you is, in order to be an overcomer, the first thing that I want to look at is what is what is the tone of the people in my life? Are the people in my life people that are negative? 
are the people in my life people who are ready to get to work and get something done? Not only do we need a team of people around us to develop strategy, as Jed's saying, but we need another thing, too, in the team around us. We need a team that can encourage each other without shame. Yeah. One of the things that I respect so much and love so much about the Mission USA team is a thing that we have on our team at Christ Community as well, which is we have a very small core of people who are on the inner circle of it. Now, uh, folks on the outside of it, they look in and they say, you know, I like what you guys are doing. It's super cool. We're big fans. But to be perfectly frank, they have no idea what we do. They have no idea how hard we work, and they have no idea how big the obstacles are. I think Mission USA has the same kind of uh, ecosystem. They have a very small core group of people who know what's up. They have a lot of supporters on the outside who look at it and say, we think it's great. We think you guys are awesome. They have no idea what the Mission USA people do and what kind of obstacles they're facing. But one thing that that, that, that team has in their staff meetings, in their, in their hangouts together, in their meals together, is undaunted encouragement of each other. Unbelievable commitment to encouraging each other, praying for each other, knowing what's up. I can tell you this. I have never, ever in my life been in a phone conversation or a face-to-face conversation with Jed Brewer where he has not said to me, how can I be praying for you? How can Hallie and I be praying for you and your family? I've never hung out with face-to-face or been in a phone conversation with Glenn Fitzgerald where he didn't say the words, you know I love you, brother. And if I didn't answer it, he would say, you know I do, right? This is the way this is. Um, yeah. Matt and I have been close for years, even though I didn't know that he was dating this girl. It was a whole thing. They, this is how committed yeah. to the bit they are. This is how totally. tight that team is. Right. We work to I bring mean, you, pe- you people the fine audio content <laughs> of Lee finding out on air. But here's, right. the whole, here's the whole thing with this. You, I, I hate to say it this way. It's, it's going to be almost impossible for you to overcome by yourself. I, I want you to... To, to handpick a team of positive people who want to encourage the snot out of you, and I want you to be greedy about it. I want you to, to shuffle off the, the lies that we've been told in biography movies and, 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 and you know, just this narrative of, of the unsung hero who did it all by himself. And I want you to find and cultivate a culture of people who know how to encourage without shame and are committed to building each other up. Because Jed's right, we need the strategy, and, 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 but we also need this, just this team of encouragement. So look at the people around you. Are these people who are, who are positive, who are committed to walking this thing out together, and who are fiercely devoted to encouragement? That's the kind of environment you want to be in. I think it's absolutely right. That's all really fantastic stuff. Uh, to build on Lee's, I think, very, very good and applicable analogy of kind of the problems with thinking of things like like a biopic. Um, as he's pointing out, everyone does that alone. And there's there's two scenes in every biopic I've ever seen in my life um, that are about someone doing something. We're talking about you know, an inventor or a political figure or something. And there's one where the person, I'm going to say he because these are almost always about men, gets the idea for the thing he's going to do. And that's always a total coincidence that came from nowhere. Yeah. 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 Right. It's always Steve jobs is in the thing and he's working and he hears somebody next to him say, I, you know, I don't like computers. They're just so not personal. <laughs> I guess what if computers were personal? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then montage. Right. Right. Of all the boring crap you have to do to get a business off the ground yeah. that we can't explain him doing and involved a thousand other people, 
right. we just chopped that right up. Right. Yeah. It goes to the bank. That's two seconds in the montage. You know, the office space. That's five seconds in the montage. Soldering things. <laughs> then boom, smash cut to him on stage with the turtleneck, reeling the thing and everyone right. loves him. <laughs> yeah, that's right. These are two things that don't happen in life. Yeah. Yeah. Things don't come from nowhere. Right. Is, is someone very famous once wrote, nothing will come of nothing. You don't just sit there and then the idea comes to you. And you also don't just have to cut through all the hard, boring stuff because it doesn't with a, a jaunty eighties tune over it to make it all more, more palatable. The, the, the thing we, we talked about this, uh, Glenn and I, when we preach these sermons that you're going to hear in bridge box is overcoming is an unglamorous idea. It is, it is no one as I think is going to put it on the night. No one who is doing overcoming in their life looks good. They look like the guy, yeah. they look like if they're an action hero, they are not Arnold Schwarzenegger. They are Bruce Willis in the first Die Hard before he got to start writing the Die Hards right. to be cooler <laughs> than he is. It's the ill-fitting shirt that's stained and half off and he's bleeding right. and there's a little bit of a limp, but he's still moving. Right. That's what yeah. overcoming actually looks Definitely. like. There's tons yeah. of there's tons of obstacles in life. And we should point out that this idea of being an overcomer is not someone who overcame their obstacles and left them in the review. It's someone who overcomes the things that come up. They have, they have goals, they have things oriented towards things are going to keep coming up. You're going to have to keep overcoming them, which is why we're talking about these things like um, how you should feel about failure and knowing how to do things one step at a time and the people you surround yourself with. Cause this is not about one big push to knock it out. And then it's done. These need to, you need to build things that are sustainable and repeatable because there are always going to be things to overcome. So if you apply the very good advice that all these guys gave to you, not only will be you, if you have something that popped into your mind when you heard, I need to overcome things, you can get over whatever that thing is. But the other deal is two, five, 10, 20 years down the line, when you have new problems that you never could have thought were coming, that same process is going to be what helps you overcome them. It's just going to be the details are different here and there. All right. And that's all good stuff about that. If you want more on that, including songs, sermons, Bible studies, some other good stuff, you can chat missionusa.com slash bridge box. We're going to go to our second question here. It comes into us anonymously and it says, how do I learn in practical ways to love myself with healthy self-esteem? My childhood taught me that outside opinions define my worth. I want to break that and get that from within. I'm tired of getting the answer because Jesus loves you or quotes with pretty sunsets. I know I need to love myself, to love others and my defense against rejection. And thereby it this thereby has less value to just shut all that off. But where do I start? And Glenn, where would we start? Well, I like sunsets, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if you can find Glenn's secret Instagram, yeah, which is all <laughs> quotes over beautiful sunsets. That's right. <laughs> Instagram. Thank you. Uh, so, first of all, I I see what you're saying, and, and this is sort of a, a, a conundrum that we uh, we all fall into. Of if I love myself, isn't that sort of akin to thinking really well about myself and thinking really positively about all the little things that I do when I do stuff that's not so great? Um, the the Bible does say we should love our neighbor as ourself. Uh, so I think that means we're supposed to love ourselves and then love our neighbor like that, uh, as opposed to uh, 
r- remain firmly negative on yourself and then apply that to your neighbor. That's <laughs> probably not what the Bible is suggesting. Um, uh, you'll find it very useful to work a lot of this out if you take shame and guilt and then get rid of all of it. Right. Uh, you can wound it and still find this pretty difficult to to find uh, uh, answers on. Uh, if you go ahead and kill it, you'll find that you can get a much better sense of where to draw these lines. Uh, shame and guilt are going to uh, constantly uh, get after us, and I think we use them to try and navigate a sense of who we are. You know, I... I I don't have much to feel bad about myself this week. I guess I'm doing pretty good. This this the next week I feel bad about a lot of things that pertain to me, so I guess I'm doing pretty poorly. So if you take that away, it feels like I'm just unmoored. I'm just floating free in a universe where I don't know whether I'm any good or not. Um but as you are looking at uh getting uh, focused on God's love and and letting that define what's going on here, we'll give you the foundation you're looking for. Uh, I want to start with this idea then, once we get past that shame and guilt, uh, is to love the ones that God loves. That's mm. the right way to, to look at this, just to simplify it. God loves you. He, he loves the, the, the person that drives you crazy. He loves the guy who's cutting you off in traffic. Uh, our mission is to love the ones that God loves and uh, get in touch with the fact that God loves you uh, and uh, appreciate that uh, by celebrating it not only within yourself, but w- where others are involved in that. But the, the the main thing I want to tell you about is you may not really know what we mean when we say love and when we say that God loves you, mm. because I think if you did, it might make this easier to work out. So in the last question, Jed was talking about courage and that courage is a virtue. Uh, love is also a virtue. So what do we mean by that? Okay, so there's three levels to you. I'm going to make this as simple as I can. Three levels to you. Body, mind, spirit. Those are your three uh, levels of your being. Uh, the world of the body is a world of senses. You say, well, there's, there's a lot more to it than that. Well, no. If you're blind, you can't tell the difference between living in a mansion on the hill with a beautiful view and living in a cave. It's all the same. It's just whether you can sense it or not. That's it. The physical world is just a world of senses. Then you have an emotional world, a, 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 a mental world, that's thoughts and feelings, just emotions and thoughts. That's all there is, emotions and thoughts. That's everything that's made up in that world. There's, it's, you know, if you say, well, I have a lot of weird feelings they don't have words for. Well, okay, but it's still a feeling. So that's it's that's what it is, uh, thoughts and feelings. Uh, but the world of the spiritual, so we body, mind, and spirit. In the spiritual world, that's vices and virtues. Okay, so where do these virtues come from? They come from God. God grants them to us. So uh, we were talking about courage uh, before. That's going to God and saying, God, I need courage. And you receive courage from God, and then you step out and be courageous with it. And then when that's used up, you go and get some more, and you get some more, and you get some more, and that's how you become a courageous person. Uh, Love works the same way. Love is a virtue. We receive love from God. Now, why am I spelling it out that way? It's because um, when I... You may be asking yourself, 
I don't know the answer to this. Uh, I don't know how to fill in the blank on this. God loves me because blank. See, love doesn't happen because of something. Mm-hmm. Love just is. You know, if you if you look at something and uh, you see it, you see it because it just is there. You you follow what I'm saying? I mean, it's not like I see this because uh, uh, I I it has a certain quality that allows me to see it. It I'm looking at it. I'm seeing it. It exists. That's it. God's love is that way. It it isn't caused by something that you have within you that just you generated. God loves you because God is God. And God is love. He chooses to love who he chooses to love. He chooses to love you. You are his creation. He's made that clear. He's made the statement. If you open your heart and receive that, you will experience it. You will feel that, not only in your spirit, but you will feel the emotions that go with that. Amen. It will move your physical life forward in the direction you want to go. Absolutely right. That's all fantastic and really great place to start this off. And I'd love to go to you here. Um, I think it's very important, uh, something Glenn touched on there, which is this idea of the way we conceive of someone who loves themselves and that idea of, does that mean this, does that mean to think highly of everything I do? Does that mean to not be critical of things about me, therefore not growing? And um, we, the phrase that comes up a lot in recovery is the idea of a fearless moral inventory and things like that. So what is in a practical way, just someone who gets up in the morning and says, I want to have a realistic and healthy look at self-esteem. What are they actually saying to and about themselves? Yeah, that's a great way to put it, because I think that a lot of us get thrown out of gear by the idea that, you know, I look at myself and I'm not perfect. And therefore, I, I can't love myself or something because I, I don't have it all together. And, and that's really kind of an unfair way to look at the whole deal. There's a weird thing about about growing up in our society where and I've gotten to see this as a as a parent where you look at kids and when they're growing up there's this really cool phase when when you know when a kid is just a little little kid before society tells them not to be this way where they just boldly love stuff about themselves yep. they're just they're just happy to be them i mean and with the tiniest amount of encouragement they look at their artwork and they're like this is amazing i'm an amazing artist you know they run as fast as they can across the the little uh, uh field at the park and they think i am the fastest person who's ever fasted you know i i they look in the mirror and they're like i like my face it's cool you know, I, I love the shoes I'm wearing, that kind of stuff. And <clears throat> and then at a certain point, we're, you know, we, we experience embarrassment, we experience comparison, we experience somebody looking down on us or something like that. But the thing is, is that we, we kind of second guess that confidence later. We don't even recognize when that happens. It's just gone. And all of a sudden, we're super, super critical of ourselves. But, you know, it's okay, and it's actually good, and it's actually healthy for you to look in the mirror and, and recognize some stuff about yourself that you like. Now, I realize this is kind of a different tack than where, where Glenn was taking this, and I'm not actually saying anything different. When, when he's saying, you know, the love of God, it's not because of anything. That's exactly right. God just loves you because God is love. Love originates in the being of God himself. And at the same time, because God loves you, it's okay for you to look at yourself and say, I like me. 
it's a good thing for me to say about myself, you know what? I'm not perfect or anything, but I'm a kind person and, and I'm a loyal friend. And I, I have good music taste and I like my boots. So, you know, deal with that. You know, and and it's okay for you to have that kind of private list. I had a friend one time. Um, uh, some some of the listeners know this, but uh, you know, I, I write songs, and and I was talking to another uh, person who writes songs, and he said, when you like make an album, you know, and you put it out and stuff, he said, do you like you know, like if you're hanging out by yourself, you're driving around, like do you listen to your own songs? And I was like, yeah. He was like, I mean, you like you like your own songs, and I was like. Dude, if I didn't like my own song, why am I singing it? Why would I write it? Why would I record it? I love my songs. Like, I, I listen to that album and I think everybody should like this. This rocks. This is a cool, this is a cool album. If you don't like this album, I can't help you. I don't know what to do with you. You know? And I'm like, yeah, I like it. I like, I like this about myself. I would encourage you to actually, um, to, to write down about yourself and, and maybe writing it down helps. For some reason, stuff like this sometimes helps me if it's written down. But to write down, like, I like this about my character. I like this about what I bring to the table as a friend or as a family member. I like this about my, uh, my haircut or my sense of clothing, you know, whatever it is. I think that I have the best tastes in restaurants in this whole city. Write that down. Nobody ever has to see that. But that's you privately deciding, I'm worthy of love. And there's some cool stuff about me. And I'm going to celebrate that stuff. Absolutely. I think that's all a very, very good word. And Jed, I'd love to get you close out on this because I think Lee's absolutely right. It, it makes a lot of sense to look at yourself and the mm. things about you and try to see where you can get to emotionally with what you like about that. And maybe... The flip side of that is some, maybe some things you don't like that you don't want to change. You'll feel better when you start making changes. But there's a, something that is not that. But people try to put in that same slot, which is, do I like the details and circumstances of my life? That's exactly right. What role does that right. play in this? It's a great question. You know, maybe it doesn't apply to you. And the truth is the stuff we're talking about here is really complicated. So um, what applies to one person might not apply to another. And that's okay. Uh, but for some people, it's actually pretty easy to morph I don't like my life into I don't like me. Mm. It's really easy to do that. And it's easy to do that without realizing that you've done it. Um, so one of the things that we would encourage you to look at is how do you feel about the life that you have for yourself? And, and let's let go of how you're supposed to feel about it. Uh, you don't uh, for, for the following five minutes, you don't need to feel thankful or anything. Just do you like your job? Do you like your network of relationships? That's, you know, friends, people you date, people you hang out with. Do you like your hobbies? Do you, do you like your living situation? Do you like the way you dress? Do you like the way that you spend your time? Do you like the places that you go? Um, if you're finding that, you know, the answer certainly to a bunch of those is, you know, not just a no, but a heck no. At the very least, we've got some things we want to look at. Um, again, not for everybody, but for a lot of people, if I really don't like my life, it's going to be really easy for that to morph in, in, in my head too. I don't really like me either. Right. And here's the key thing. If we get stuck on I don't like me, it's really easy to morph that into probably God doesn't like me. That can create a downward spiral really, really quick. So the good news is that um, those things in your life that you don't feel particularly good about, those are changeable. 
to take us back actually to our first question in this episode, those are all obstacles to be overcome. And right. you are an overcomer. We know that you are. We, we believe in you. So if you say, I don't like my job and it, and it sucks my will to live and it makes me unhappy. And sometimes that unhappiness kind of manifests into, I don't like my job and I don't like me either, which just, you know, that's a common thing, man. That doesn't make your situation any less important, but it's a common thing. That's something that a lot of people struggle with. You can change jobs. You can get a different, maybe you say, yeah, this is the only job I'm trained for. You can get other training. You can overcome this obstacle. You can do that. We believe in you. God believes in you. The way that you feel right now does not have anything to say about the way you need to feel for the rest of your life. We want to get rid of that. Now, one other thing that we want to add to this, because it's important, is Glenn broke down, and rightly so, the idea that you are body, mind, and spirit. And that's super true. It also points to the idea that if you're in a place where you consistently have trouble feeling good about you and feeling good about your life and feeling good about just the world around you. We want to check all three of those things um, to see what might be going on. Yeah. Yes. So it's a good idea to go to your just regular doctor. In the U.S., we call that a GP or general practitioner, but just your regular doctor and just say, I'm not feeling great. You know, I'm just, I'm having a rough time. I want to know, is there something with my body that's going on that's leading to that? There's nothing to be ashamed of there. There's nothing to be worried about there. Um, a, a good doctor is actually going to ask you about that. My, my doctor, whenever I go in for a physical, asks, are you struggling with depression? Are you struggling with anxiety? It's, it's good stuff to look at. The next thing is that mind piece. If you go to, to a doctor and they, and they are able to get you squared away with stuff related to your body, but you're like, you know, this is still, I'm, I'm having a hard time here, then it may be time to talk to a therapist or a counselor who can help you, or a psychologist who can help you look at that mind element. I mean, you know, how's my thinking? What are my thought patterns looking like? There are all kinds of amazing tools and approaches out there that can really change the way that you think. Um, and so if that's part of the struggle, we can, again, it's an obstacle that we can overcome. We can do something about this. And of course, that last piece, which is a lot of what we've been looking at here, is the spiritual element, you know, and, and what are we believing about the Lord and what are we believing about ourselves in relation to him and the promises that he's made. But what we really want you to do is to put all those things together. We want to make sure that body, mind, and spirit are all in a healthy place and that your life is in a healthy place. This is one bonus point, but it really needs to be said, is a certain amount of what I think you're struggling with goes to some theology that has been taken out of context and too far. Um, basically, there is a view which is essentially scriptural, which is, can be described as the, pra- the total depravity of man. Very, very briefly, it means that no one has an ability to earn God's love and affection. None of us have that capacity, which is true and biblical. Also, he loves you anyway, so it's fine. And it's super easy to morph that idea that if push comes to shove, no one can earn God's love or affection into, well, basically, you're a worm, and you're just the worst. You are not a worm, and you are not the worst. You are a precious creation of God who loves you and delights over you and gave himself up to have you. And here's the key thing. He wants you to have a good life. This belief that somehow you honor God by having a sucky life that you hate is not biblical and it's not Christianity. Again, it's people who've taken a thing that's kind of true from the Bible and morphed it into something that is wholly untrue. We, Jesus came that you have life and have it to the full. We want you to have a life that you feel good about, including your image of yourself. There are obstacles to be overcome in the process of getting there, but we believe in you and we know that with the Lord's help, you can do it. 
Absolutely. That's all fantastic stuff. One very, very small thing I'll tackle in the end there. And it ties what Jed just entered off there back kind of, kind of where Lee started this, which is this idea of another thing that gets tied up with that kind of idea of total depravity, super hardcore, is that, yes, God loves you because he has to, kind of, but he's not thrilled about gesturing vaguely at all of you, any of this. So you really should have to change some stuff in order to be happy with it. You should read better books and be hardcore and go up and go for a run and go for a run with the Bible. And none of that stuff is bad, but there are probably things you like about yourself right now. And as both Len and Lee pointed out, that's a good place to start. Happiness and joy and joy is a virtue that comes from God as as Glenn was grabbing does not follow this pattern. I am entirely miserable with everything right now, but if I change these bunch of things, I will be less so. Yep. Joy is a virtue that comes from God, means you can have it now. You may have to sit down, as Lee is saying, you may have to look in the mirror, you may have to go think about it kind of hard, you may have to deep pray stuff in the journal. There's something today that can give you a boost towards this goal you have. It's very important to find that and understand that that is part of the process as you apply all the other really good stuff these guys gave you we're gonna move on to our final question here it came in anonymously and it says what do you do when your heart is broken i'm praying about it but i don't even know what to pray for and how god can help what am i supposed to do and a very good question and lee why don't you kick us off yeah i actually want to start us off by kind of taking us back to something that glenn said in the last question when he was talking about the love of god and how god loves you there's nothing that you can do about it and that you can open yourself to receive that and that will change the way that you feel right now. I, I want to I come in on that same note with, with this, because there's a couple of cool things. One, every time uh, there, there's a, I don't know, and this is especially true for folks who have been raised in church, in a certain kind of church, but we sometimes feel that if I don't have it all together, if I'm not, if everything's not clicking at the right cylinder, if, I, if I'm not amazing right now, then I'm somehow farther away from Jesus. That, that I'm closer to Jesus when I've got everything going for me. But the funny thing is that when you actually read the Gospels, you find Jesus hanging out with the people who are struggling the most. You find Jesus helping the people who are hurting the most. There's a place in Psalm 34 that says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. This is a really, really important principle. It means that if I am going through um, a situation where I'm feeling brokenhearted, I've never been closer to the Lord than this moment. This is a really, really important thing to understand. A lot of us have been led to believe that when we don't have it together, we are farther away from the Lord than we've ever been. But the truth is, the more needy I am, the more hurting I am, the more I'm struggling, the closer Jesus is to me than at any other time. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Jesus said, I came for the, for the sick, for those who need a doctor. And this is important because it means that you can right now run to the Lord and tell him, I want to experience that. I want to receive that. I want to receive your help. I want to receive uh, an experience of your closeness to me. You say you're near. I want to feel that. There's a prayer at the end of Ephesians 3 where the Apostle Paul says, my prayer for you is that you would experience and know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses knowledge so that you can be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. 
take that prayer and pray it over yourself. And and exactly as Glenn was saying in that last question, open your heart up to receive that. Jesus says that he's close to the brokenhearted. He says he, he has sworn to be near to you. So open yourself up to receive that and tell him, I, want, I don't want to just read those words. I want to experience that right now. I believe that I'm closer to you in my brokenheartedness than I've ever been because that's the kind of dude you are. You're close to the brokenhearted. You're close to the hurting. And so I want to receive and feel that right now. It's a fantastic place to start things off. And Glenn, I'd love to get you to, to pick us up there. Um, I think Lee points to it. It's a, very, it's a very wise thing. And our friend in the question, I understand what they mean. They say, I don't even know what to pray about. Is identifying what exactly you should be asking for even the best place to start when it comes to prayer? No, uh, it's okay to not know what to say in prayer. Uh, that's totally okay. It's actually okay to not say anything in mm. prayer. It's it, That's a weird way to put it. but. Uh, it's okay to just be with God, to just abide with him, to dwell with him, to sit on a park bench and say, God, I don't even know what to say. I don't know what to think. Uh, I just, I want to sit here with you and just, you know, try to start chipping away at this thing. And uh, that is, it's okay. God wants to give you comfort. He wants to give you love. And we, we, uh, our heart is breaking with you. We we are sad that you're going through this, and we know that that's on our hearts because the Lord is putting it on on our hearts, and so we know that's how He feels about it. Um, so that's okay. Uh, on this podcast, we use a, a, a fairly common phrase to describe the situation of needing to do grief work uh, when you're going through a grieving process. If it's a breakup, if it's losing a job, if it's losing a loved one. Uh, there we have to decide what do we think about that. And it takes time to just work out all the feelings that we have about it. And that can't be done all at once. Uh, that has to be done in stages, and that's good and it's right. There, You, you have to give yourself permission uh, to take your time at it, to work on it a little bit every day. But then you have to give yourself permission to put that in a box and put it on the shelf and get on with life because... If you just wallow in that, even if you're doing good grief work, you can overdo that at the point where you melt your brain and you're just not doing good grief work anymore and you're just wallowing in the emotions of that. Nothing gets solved on that front. Uh, this is about diving deep to what do you think about this? Not just the feeling of the feelings. We're, we're not going to judge those. We're not going to try and diminish those. But we're going to try to push through to what do I think about? What does this mean? What is this about? What does it say about me? What does it say about my future? All of those different kind of things. Because the, the devil will tell us a lot of lies when we're feeling our big feelings. And if we're if we're not engaging our brain, if we're not really sorting through that and diving, digging in deep to this stuff, then there's a lot of vagueness. There's a lot of uh, clouds and darkness and whatever, and we can be lied to in that environment much too easy. So uh, when we're doing good grief work, we're not receiving a lot of, of those lies. Last thing I would tell you is uh, we need uh, eventually, as we you know move through that grief work and out the other side, uh, to ask God for the strength to move on. Uh, because moving on is the goal here. 
And that's sometimes that's really hard to see when you're brokenhearted. It, it seems like, no, I think the goal is just be brokenhearted forever. Maybe write a poem. Right, exactly. And like moving on would be like, if it's, if, let's say it's a breakup, it, moving on would be, be like, I never did care about that person mm-hmm. or the relationship never meant anything right, to right, me. Right, right, right. It's funny how that is. Or if you know? like didn't get a, a job you wanted, it would be like, well, if I move on, is that like I'm quitting on the dream job? And right, I'm that's settling right. for less and all that. Yeah, if, if if grandma passes away and I just go and do something fun, does that mean I don't care that she's died? You know, yeah. that's it, it. Moving on is the goal. Moving on is a purpose. Uh, Paul said in Philippians 3.13 that he's forgetting what's behind and he's straining towards what is ahead. Mm. And that's what the Christian life is about. It's about this this we can look back and we can see pain we can look back and we can see mistakes and we can see all those kinds of things but we move through those things we move on to what is ahead uh that means we mourn those things it means we grieve them we're not we're not in any way saying don't feel anything on this or diminish your feelings or any of that it's about recognizing the goal is to move on and I need to give myself permission to feel good about that when I am moving on. Absolutely right. That is all great stuff. And Jed, I think these guys did a wonderful job covering the the talking to God aspect of this, which mm. is important. Yep. It's it's critical to to those of us who who have that faith, moving on from that. But it is probably a bad idea to have that be the only plank mm-hmm. in the bridge we're trying to build here. So what what would be one other thing someone who has no idea where to start could do? That's a great question. Well, this is going to sound obvious as soon as I say it out loud, but it, it bears the saying is, you know, if you break your arm, uh, prayer should be a part of your healing process, but you should also go to the emergency room and have that bone set. So uh, maybe have a cast put on by a trained medical professional. Should I, should I pray about going to the doctor? You know what I would do is I would get in the motion of going to the doctor, pray on the way. Ah. Totally. You know, as pray in the waiting room, you'll have time. Yes, you're in the waiting room. You're going to be there for a minute. Plenty of good right. quality prayer time to be had. Right. So it's a both and kind of proposition. Yes. Not an either or. Okay. Well, now, of course, again, it's, it's a silly example. And, you know, no one, I hope, you know, would be unsure what to do in that scenario. But when we're dealing with things that are more problems of, of the mind or of the heart, it's actually easy to get confused. Um, you know, but a lot of the time we're looking at a similar thing where prayer is a part of the overall healing process and a critical part and needs to be approached exactly like Glenn and Lee are saying. But it's also good to find another person that we can talk to -to face-to-face about these things. Uh, One thing, you know, Glenn is exactly right, that the goal of of grief work is to land in a place of acceptance, is to land in a place of, of moving on. And sometimes we find we are really having a hard time doing that. And if it's been, you know, again, if you go through a bad breakup and, and a couple of weeks later, you know, you're, you're still feeling pretty upset about it. That's, that makes sense. If we're, if we've got things going though, where it's several weeks and it's, you know, a few months and whatnot, and it's just, we can't get past this. And I think if we're honest, we've all had moments where we've been there. That's a really good time to start looking for someone that you can talk to. Uh, now, to be clear, you can talk to someone on day one. Sure. Um, uh, but definitely, if we're finding that we're just really struggling to move on from this, that's a good time to find someone to to talk to. And I want to be clear about a couple things. I'm about to describe to you a best case scenario, and I'm aware that that doesn't apply to everybody. So we're going to start with the best case, and then we're going to work backwards. The best case is someone 
who is there in real life that you can talk to face to face. The internet is great. It is not a substitute for face to face communication. Um, the phone is great. It is not a substitute for face to face communication. Books are definitely not a substitute for face to face communication. So, where possible, we want to find a person who we can talk to in our real actual life that we can sit down face to face and we can be eyeball to eyeball and talk about the stuff that's going on in our lives. The next thing is we want to be clear on what this person is and is not qualified to to comment on. Um, If you are sitting down, for example, with your church pastor, which can be a great idea. If you've got a good pastor and you've got a good relationship with them, that's really, really good. And they would be able to talk about the spiritual element of things, which is hugely important. That's a big part of of who you are. Um, But we want to be aware that their both their training and their background and their qualification to comment on your mental health would be pretty limited because that's really not their field. Um, you might have, again, a therapist or psychologist that you could talk to about the mental health side of things, and the spirituality piece isn't really their jam. That's that's not really their thing. And again, there's that that physical health element. But the point is to find a person who's there in your real life who's qualified to offer some commentary. Amen. It is helpful to talk with your friends, but we need to bear in mind that they may or may not have a lot of helpful insights to offer on what you're dealing with. They can be a listening ear and that's really good. That can that can be really really useful, but we want to be clear when we're when we're feeling stuck, when we're feeling unsure how to process how to move forward, find somebody who knows what they're talking about, has that training and that qualification is a really good and really important thing. Now that's the best case. So what do we do if we don't have access to the best case cuz a lot of us don't. All right. Well, the first thing that you do is you send an email to your trusty friends at the Say That Podcast. Say that podcast at gmail.com. What's that address one more time? Say that podcast at gmail.com. Ooh, that's nice. So you send us an email at say that podcast at gmail.com. What are we going to do for you? Well, we're going to ask for a couple of details about what you're struggling with in your situation. And then we're going to give you some referrals to people that are in your area. They might not be people you've talked with before, but they're, they could be some pastors or counselors or even physicians and uh, people who have what are referred to as slightly scale services where they're able to kind of charge something that that you're able to pay you're able to get squared away that if you've never done that before that might sound a little scary that might sound a little overwhelming you can do it you can handle it if you've come far enough to admit that your heart is broken and you're having a hard time dealing with that you can take the next step you can handle it we would love to help you there are people there where you are who would love to help you it's a matter of reaching out and getting that help being brokenhearted is not the end of your story. It's not where God wants you to stay. It's not where we want you to stay. It's not where you need to stay. So it's about reaching out and getting that help that you need. Absolutely right. And if you have any other questions, you can also reach out to us at say that podcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to keep that anonymous, you can go to the bridgechicago.tumblr.com. Both those links are in the episode description. Tell you the song this week. This is a track from our friend, the ever-mysterious and reclusive Pool House Guru, yeah. who wrote a, a produ- and produced a track for us based on the verse from Phil- Philippians 3 that Glenn was talking about earlier. He calls it Press On. We'll take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast. I'm too excited to write an outro because Matt is dating! Yeah. Yes. Woo. That was far better than I thought the outro might go. Forgetting what's Press on towards what's ahead, towards what is next. Getting what's behind, I press on towards what's ahead, towards what is next. Getting what's behind, I press on towards what's ahead, towards what is next.
Forgetting what's behind, I press on to what's ahead. 